You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Church, on your seats are our vision brochures. Go ahead and grab one just now. As we build up together for our vision offering Sunday on the 14th of November, make sure you put it in your diary. You cannot miss our vision offering Sunday. And would you like a sneak peek at what we're giving into as Chester? I said, would you like a sneak peek on what we're giving into as Chester? Okay, incredible. We together are given into three areas in the life of church, expanding our reach, helping the vulnerable and building our home. Helping the vulnerable, we together as a church are committing to sponsor and house and look after and care for, for a whole year, a family who are coming as refugees from Afghanistan to Chester. We're gonna be one of the first organizations in Cheshire West and Chester to do so as we for a whole year provide finances, handhold the family as they experience a new culture, learn English, find schools, doctors, you name it, whatever you think you need to do when you relocate your whole life to another country, we are walking this family with a team of us together for a whole year, which is gonna be awesome together. We responded incredibly to our Afghanistan appeal. And we recognize the need right now to not just care about the macro of doing big, great exploits, which we celebrate together, but actually that we would make a statement locally in the council and in the community and together as a church, that God loves those that come from other lands. God loves the refugees. And we together are gonna demonstrate that in a practical and powerful way. Expanding our reach, we together are going to commit in 2022, at the start of the year, to go into primary schools and put on the best lunchtime clubs and assemblies that this area has ever seen. So our kids team have been working hard behind the scenes, planning, in contact, forming a strategy as we go into primary schools. And also we'll commit next year to do a monthly Love Your World Community Day in Blaken. As we put on the best event in the estate, in the city, we show people the love of God and trust that through our good deeds will lead to an opportunity of goodwill that would lead to them hearing the good news of Jesus together. And lastly, in building our home, there's a lot to get through, building our home. We've been in this building for the last five years and it has served us so well as a local church. And as we move forward in creating more space for more people and a better experience for people to demonstrate and see the extraordinary God, we're gonna totally touch up, more than touch up, change our lounge space and create a far better environment, that wow God moment as people enter the house of God. Because we all know it needs more than a lick of pain. It needs a whole total refurb together. So there are three areas here in Chester and lots more going on in the life of church. But we encourage you together, however it looks in your life, to partner with us. However great you feel God's putting an amount on your heart to step out in faith 
or however small, if it's five pound, 10 pound, 20 pound a month for six months together, as we all step forward, making a difference. I'd love it for you and for us if we could all say at the end of six months of giving and committing to God that we all played our part in housing and helping the vulnerable. We all played our part in expanding our reach and we all played our part in building our home. So come on the 14th of November, it's gonna be a party. We're gonna have fun and we're gonna believe together that the good work that God started here in Chester, he'll do abundantly immeasurably more than we can ask, think or imagine and he'll carry it on to completion because we're not done yet, folks. We're just getting started. All right, I've got to preach in 19 minutes. How many people know that's gonna be a miracle? We're in the last part of our Audacious Life series and today I'm preaching a message called Wildly Authentic. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say wildly authentic? Wildly authentic. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Someone's responding already to that and that's not even the word. All of us have heard that phrase, haven't we? Fake it till you make it. I remember back when I was working in a restaurant and there was this incredible family that came in to celebrate. I think it was someone's birthday. It was a, an occasion you had the dad, his wife, the kids, the grandkids. It was awesome. And I got the privilege to be their waiter that night as we had fun and, and chatted and everything like that. And it got to a point in the meal where the main courses had come out and the dad looks at me as confident as you would ever imagine as everybody's looking at the dad as he looks me in the eyes and says, so whereabouts in Scotland are you from? And I see the family, everybody's eyes have lit up. Everybody's looking at the dad impressed like, oh my gosh, he guessed this guy's accent. This is awesome. And in a moment of weakness, church, to appease the family and to not make it awkward, I said, I'm from Glasgow. I'm from Northern Ireland. I've never been to Glasgow in my life. And the eyes of the family lit up even more. They smiled, looked at each other. And the dad looks at me and goes, no way. My mom is from Glasgow. Whereabouts in Glasgow are you from? I think to myself, I've dug myself a hole here, right? Trying to fake it till I've made it. And I rack my brain and think, right, I've never been to Glasgow. What do I even know about Glasgow? And in another moment of weakness, I think, I know about the Ibrox football stadium. And I said to the guy, I said, oh, I'm just from near the Ibrox football stadium. And in a complete twist of circumstances, everybody lights up even more. You feel the energy as they look to me and he goes, no way, my mom lives on this street. It's just beside the Ibrox Stadium. What street are you from? I'm there like, I have no idea. Rack my brain, couldn't think, and I came clean. Right, I said to him, I am so sorry. I'm not from Glasgow. I know I sound slightly Scottish. My accent's mixed up. I've been here a while. I'm from Northern Ireland. I'm so sorry. And the whole family started laughing their heads off. Could not believe it. Fake it till you make it moment, right? All of us have had those moments in life. Maybe for you, it's been that time you've been applying for the new job. 
and you're trying to write down your volunteer experience and you think back to that one time you served at the animal shelter. So you start crafting this massive paragraph about how much you've done for animals and how on that day that you were on shift volunteering, you saved five animals' lives and you're a local hero, right? Fake it till you make it. Totally exaggerating the story. And I think all of us, church, have been in these moments, these tension moments of trying to fake it till you make it. But the danger of us faking it till we make it is that sooner or later, we'll start to live lives in somebody else's shoes or shoes that other people think we should walk in and not live our lives in the shoes of who God has called us to be and not living our wildly authentic life. Today, I wanna suggest, church, that we are all called together to live wildly authentic. And I wanna suggest three things that we all need to think about and consider as we live a wildly authentic life. The first point is this, is I am wildly authentic, so I will come as I am. Turn to your neighbor and say, come as you are. I will come as I am. The Bible has this incredible account in 2 Samuel 9, 6 to 13. It says this, it says his name was Mephibosheth. What a name, hard to pronounce. Don't get any ideas for kids that are on the way. Mephibosheth, he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And he replied, I am your servant. It's a great start for King David. King David says, don't be afraid. I intend to show you kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. It's a good day for Mephibosheth, isn't it? He then bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat at my table, the table of a king. Ziba replied, yes, my Lord, I am your servant and I will do all that you've commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's sons. Goes on to say this about Mephibosheth. He was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem, and ate regularly at the king's table. Don't know if you caught this moment just now, church, that Mephibosheth, he's crippled in his feet, and that's not where it ends. He's seen as a social outcast. He couldn't fight in the wars. He was son of Jonathan. He, he couldn't attend when the call was made, the call to arms to go to fight. He couldn't provide an income for his family. He was totally dependent on the goodwill and the generosity of others. In fact, he couldn't even get himself around. He was dependent on people for the very basic things of life. He was a total social outcast. 
But David sees him not through the lens of what society's seen him as, not through the lens of his condition, but he's seen Mephibosheth through the eyes and the lens of God, seen him for the value that he had, purposed him, positioned him, and placed him at the king's table. And the Bible says he ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons forevermore. But Mephibosheth had a million reasons to pretend to be someone else. A million reasons to fake it till he made it. Oh, well, what if I just pretend that I can walk? Then nobody will really see the true state of affairs. What if when I take that selfie with the crew, I just crop out my legs so nobody can see the condition to which I carry? What if I just pretend that I can get by? And what if I just distance myself from community because then nobody will ask me the tough questions. Nobody will ask me to repeat my condition or my state of affairs. Totally tempted to fake it till he made it. And church, I reckon today in 2021, we're no different. We all have our reasons to fake it till we make it. The fear of rejection, the power of comparison, feelings of inadequacy, trying to protect our own heart, pressure to perform, unrealistic, unspoken expectations, a shame spiral, trying not to let the plate smash, wrong priorities, trying to fit in. And today, Audacious Church Chester, I wanna suggest God is calling us, asking us, instructing us to come as we are. We don't have to try and fake it till we make it when we come to God. He's offering us an open invitation to come and sit at His table, take our place in His family, where we don't just become like one of the king's sons or daughters. The Bible says we are sons and daughters of the king. We are purposed, chosen, set apart, welcomed as we are, where we don't have to perform or pretend or crop out or touch up the image or sharpen it or contrast it. God wants us coming to his table just as we are. I am wildly authentic, so I can come to God as I am. Today, church, Jesus came from heaven to earth as he did, so you can come as you are. Not hiding your weaknesses, your imperfections, trying to pretend like we have it all together. God today is asking us as our wildly authentic selves to come to him and take our seat like Mephibosheth did at his table. There's a seat at the table for you today. The second thing we have to know when we live this wildly authentic life is I am wildly authentic, so I will not conform. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not conforming. Or say it like you mean it. Say, I'm not conforming. <laughs> Romans 12, two says this. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will what? You will learn God's will for you, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Thinking back to high school, I had this moment, this moment of pressure to conform. I was 14 years old, and at the time, I worked in a computer gaming center 
part-time. Now, my whole life, let me tell you, was in the computer gaming center. Like, I was that kid that just lived in his bedroom, played computers, and just needed a little bit more sunlight on his face. Do you know what I'm saying? I was pale. And I remember at the time, I was working for the gaming center, and I worked there and pretty much lived my life there so much that they asked me if I'd rather, instead of getting paid my 10 pound on a Saturday, that if I just got free time to game on the machines instead. Definitely not legal in today's circumstances, but I said, yes, book me in. And suddenly the shifts increased and no longer was I just on the Saturday, but I loved it, it was awesome. And at the time, sports day was coming up and I was not the athlete that you see before you today. Why are you laughing at the back, Paul? Not the athlete, I was not the athletic kid, right? And Curtis, my friend, came up with the best idea in my mind. He said, instead of going to sports day, why don't we just take the day off school and go hide and hang out in the computer gaming center that you work in? Moment of pressure to conform, to which I said, absolutely. (laughs) Book me in, I am there. So I packed my stuff. All the teachers are looking at me in absolute shame right now, shaking their heads. Packed all my stuff, pretended like I was off to sports day, waved my mum goodbye and went down to the computer gaming center with Curtis. Now it's first thing in the morning, we're getting really hungry, peckish to start the day of gaming and we walk over to the bakery across the road. Now as we come out of the bakery, picture this, sausage roll in one hand, drink in the other, in our own clothes when we should be going to sports day. The school buses come driving past us as we're standing there on the side of the road and we see our PE teacher at the front of the bus who eyeballs us as the bus is going past and we're standing there like, we are in trouble tomorrow. And let me tell you, every class we went to that next day, we got in trouble with every single teacher. All had moments, right, with pressure to conform. And in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, we've got three characters, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are all peer pressured by King Nebuchadnezzar to bow down and worship a false image of gold that's been made up in his image. And if they don't, they'll get thrown into a burning furnace. And this is where we pick up the story in Daniel 3. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet. This is after they'd been thrown in to the blazing furnace. They're in there. He leaps to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and everybody crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was there a head of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. You might say, but in 2021, we don't have the same kind of pressure to bow down to images. Nobody, no king is forcing us to bow down. But I reckon in 2021, we've got the same kind of pressure. 
albeit different, we all have pressures to bow down to images. And what happens when we bow down to images in our world or we worship idols or other things is that it produces a counterfeit because it's fake. And it's really subtle, church, because you're convinced that it's the real thing, but in actuality, it's a counterfeit and it's not real. It's like this, we want love, but we end up with a counterfeit called lust. We want joy, but we end up with a counterfeit, a temporary high leading to an even greater low. We want confidence, but we end up with the counterfeit arrogance. We want peace, but we end up on an emotional roller coaster. And these things seem similar to their counterparts, but they're totally different because they're just an image. And what happens when you worship an image or you pursue the counterfeit, it will never fulfill you, sustain you, make you. It will only break you and lead you down a road that you weren't designed to live on. And there was something in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that caused them in the face of danger, in the face of laying their lives down on the altar that made them say, I refuse to conform and worship this image. And instead, for the sake of my integrity, for the sake of me living wildly authentic, I will lay my life down and say, I choose to not conform rather than come under what you're putting on me. And church, look what happened when they were themselves. Look what God did in the midst of the fire. Jesus came and walked amongst them. So today, church, when you feel like you're in the fire, when the heat of your life is getting turned up, when it feels like there's flames all around you, I want you to know that Jesus is with you. He's not left you, not abandoned you, not turned his gaze, not went out of the room, but he's with you in the furnace. He's with you in the flames. He's with you in the fires of whatever you are facing. So today, church, make a decision not to lay your life down on that altar of conformity, but choose, church. Choose to be the wildly authentic version of who God has called you to be and live out who He has purposed you to be. And watch Jesus step into the fire with you and do a miracle. And the last thing really quick we all have to remember in order to live wildly authentic is this, is I am wildly authentic so I will keep it real. I will keep it real. I will keep it real. Sounds a little bit cheesy that, doesn't it? I've got this picture of a surfer in California being like, keep it real, man. But I think when we consider that phrase, keep it real and apply it to the church, there's power to be found in us keeping it real. The Bible says this about David in 1 Samuel 17. It says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. This is Saul giving David his own armor. He put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened them on as he would do and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go out in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. David right now is about to go out and face Goliath. Goliath who came out to the front line against the Israelites in morning and in the evening and contested, said, is there any man in Israel who will come and take me on? And the whole front line ran until this young boy, David, comes onto the scene 
and says, I'll take on the Goliath. I'll fight the Goliath. I'll win the battle. But Saul the king says to David, I'll give you my armor to wear because it's the king's armor. It's made of the best stuff. It looks apart. It's fitting for a king, but it wasn't fitting for David because it wasn't made for him. It wasn't tailor-made to suit David. So when he put the armor on, the bronze helmet that looked good from the outside, because it was too big, David couldn't see. And he put on the armor of Saul, a much bigger man who was head and shoulders above the rest of his brothers. It tripped David up. He couldn't maneuver and couldn't move. So David steps up to the front line against Goliath, a young boy with a slingshot and some stones, and he took on Goliath and won the battle for Israel. But he did it in keeping it real, in being himself, in being who God had called him to be. And today, church, if you're gonna win the battles that God has for you in your life, you've gotta keep it real. You can't pretend to be someone who's on platform or that neighbor over the fence who thinks you need to have it all together. If you're gonna win the battles that God has for you, you can only do it in being yourself because it doesn't matter how much you put on somebody else's armor, you try to put on different things to make you look the part, feel the part, you've dressed up, smartened up, bulked up. None of that matters in God's economy because God asked you to be yourself because when you are, you're a vessel, you're a conduit for His path through you. And today, church, there are Goliaths in your world that you are facing this week and you'll only take them down when you put on your own armour, you step onto the front line, you keep it real, you be wildly authentic, you refuse to conform and you press on and take the ground that's ahead of you. Today, church, keep it real. Oh, you weren't destined to be anybody else but you. The world's got enough Josh Halls in it because there's one, because it's Josh. There is one of you on the planet and that's exactly how God has created it to be. Not carbon copies of each other, but wildly authentic of who He has called you to be. Remain true to His Word because there's a lot of voices in your life telling you who you should be, what you should do, how you should look. And I love that all in next week are preaching on identity because for us as people of God, in the house of God, where we should look for everything in life is the starting place of the Word of God. Who is it that God says that you are? What is it God has spoken over you? Who has God called you to be? because in the light of all of the voices that are shouting for your attention, that's the only thing that matters. When you refuse then to conform to the pattern of the world, you choose to keep it real and you come to the table just as you are. I reckon church for all of us, there's an incredible freedom to be found for all of us when we live wildly authentic. And this can't just be a great moment on a Sunday this has to be every day. When the pressures of your workplace tell you you should do a certain thing that you know is not right, you decide to be wildly authentic, true to who you are. That when you're at the family party and everybody else is doing that thing, you decide I'm gonna be wildly authentic to who God has called me to be. When you go out this week with your friends, with your pals, with your world, you choose to be exactly who God has called you to be. I reckon we'd see a city saved. We'd see workplaces transformed. 
We'd see freedom in homes because people would no longer try to put on a front, living for a different image or creating a fake image of themselves. In fact, we'd all find freedom in being who God has called us to be. And as would your friends and your world when they realise that they can come to church just as they are. God loves us so much that He doesn't leave us where we are, but He takes us on a journey. But He doesn't change my personality along the way. He doesn't change the things that make Lee Brown Lee. He transforms my thinking, transforms my spirit, makes me into His image, I become a new creation, but I don't fit a carbon copy cookie cutter mold of what everybody else thinks a Christian should be or look like, because He's called me to be me in light of His Word. And He has called you to be you in light of His world. Right across this place, we're gonna pray before we respond together. So why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes as we do. Perhaps you've come to church today and you've never made a decision for Jesus. Well, I wanna tell you right now, everything you've ever looked for in life is found in Jesus. That emptiness you feel on the inside is filled when making Jesus the Lord of your life because the Bible says He comes into your heart. He changes you from the inside. He gives you purpose, joy, forgiveness, and freedom. And today, if you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Saviour of your life, then in a moment, I'm gonna count to three and invite you to make Him the Lord of your life, making a decision to give your life to Him and live for Him and become a Christian. And that doesn't mean smooth sailing, but that means that Jesus is in the boat with you, taking you on the journey of life, promising you an eternity to come and giving you life and life to the fullest here on earth. So I'm gonna count to three. And if you're saying today, I wanna make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life, or maybe you once walked with Him and you turned your back on Him, He's asking you today to come back into His family. He's not turned His back on you, but He's standing with open arms, welcoming you in to the family. Come today, church, and take your seat at the table of His family. So come on, if you're saying today, I wanna make this decision, then one, two, three. Right now, lift your hand up in the air as we pray together. If you're saying today, I wanna follow Jesus. Join these four people in the first service. It said today, I wanna become a new creation. I wanna find freedom in God. Come on, across this place, raise your hands if you're saying today, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna give my life to Him and find this freedom that you've spoke about today. Look into my left, your right. A couple more moments. Your heart's beating and you know you need to get right with God today. In the middle, don't have it all worked out, but you know you need to get right with God and make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Lastly, my right, your left, saying today, I wanna follow Jesus. Amazing. God, we thank you for our incredible church family. And I pray today as we go that God, we would live our wildly authentic selves, living with integrity, refusing the pressures to conform and living true to who you have called us to be. God, we pray for those four incredible people in the first service that made decisions for you today. God, would you guard them, keep them and walk with them on this journey of life with Jesus. God, we thank you for what's ahead in our vision offering. And God, we prophesy a vision offering like never before. God, we declare growth, breakthrough, momentum and moving forward. God, we don't go wanna go to the past of what has been, but God, we embrace the new day of what you have for us. 
In Jesus' Name, everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's thank God for an incredible day in His house and all that He's doing in our world. So good. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 